0: Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Game Talk Radio, I'm Greg, and, and please remember if you like our content to like, subscribe, you can follow me on Twitter, all that, really appreciate it. Uh, Alright, so, kicking it off right away, we have a couple things we want to talk to uh, talk about on the podcast today, the first being that apparently, Apollo Legend, who is the YouTuber who gathered a lot of info and did the huge video that uh, apparently got Todd Rogers' scores removed from Twin Galaxies... Uh, and also recently put up the uh, his video about having definitive proof about Billy Mitchell playing Donkey Kong on an emulator on a MAME cabinet when he you know beat the world record when he did that Apollo legend uh, who also was on the shiz list with me on the uh, on the uh, the Dave show the uh, the the East Side Dave podcast but basically the rumor has it that he's being sued currently by Billy Mitchell so we're gonna talk about that. Next, we're going to talk about the Atari box, which has now been renamed the Atari VCS, and they had some more details about that here at GDC, so we've got a little bit more info about that. Uh, we're going to finish up with a couple little stories, one about um, HQ Trivia, which is like this, the hottest app around, everyone's playing it, and how uh, basically the last game that was for 25 grand with one winner uh, abruptly ended, both people apparently were cheaters, and um, Another little story about how it's the last month to claim your class action lawsuit reward from the PlayStation 3 fat uh, removing the other OS option all those years ago. Crazy how long this stuff takes. So uh, let's get into it. Um, if you're watching this on YouTube, the first part of this will be the Billy Mitchell video and then we'll go on. We'll have a separate video for the uh, Atari box. So if you want to learn more about the Atari box, you can skip over that. Obviously, the podcast is, uh, is one big piece. So uh, where to begin? So the, the story was, uh, so it was an editor from the editorial part of Twin Galaxies. So already you kind of understand that this story is a little strange that the news broke on Twin Galaxies site. And here was the headline rumor YouTuber Apollo legend may face legal battle over Billy Mitchell. And it was written by Hugh Anderson. And this was on March 15th. So it's about five days ago. I know I'm late to the punch like this literally came out and I had no time this weekend to to get to the video. So I do apologize that this is so late and uh anyway um so this is i want to read you almost directly the article because the bias in this article is just from the get-go it's right here now to be fair apollo legend has been attacking twin galaxies so you have to assume that twin galaxies wouldn't be very happy about that and i think it's fair to say that you know they don't, (laughs) that, uh, that, that they don't have to say anything nice about someone who hasn't said many nice things about them. Uh, so here, uh, here is the article. YouTuber Apollo legend is trying to build his legacy around proving people wrong. So he flew to Florida, snuck into an arcade event, dressed like Billy Mitchell, and tried to record proof that Billy is a fraud. Days later, lawyers called him. So that's like the, the subtitle. So here, here's more about Apollogen, the YouTube creators collectively looked at with both disgust and curiosity when he comes out with a new video. Uh, that's, I, I don't, disgust? I, I mean, maybe, I, I guess. I don't know. It just seems kind of, again, one-sided article. Uh, he has become known as the guy that is believed to have taken down Todd Rogers, that we mentioned earlier. And, and and it's funny because then they highlight a link saying, making a video out of everyone else's evidence. Um, only thing I want to address about that is Apollogen always gives credit. To where people came up with certain things or found certain things so i mean he's not taking credit for their work he's compiling the information and and putting a video out And, and again i'm not like some apollo legend lover i mean i i just have watched his videos i find what he's doing interesting and i think he's being unfairly attacked here and uh, so then obviously he said, uh, that his sights on Billy Mitchell. So he did the big, you know, this is a main cabinet. This is the, and his video was like over a million views. It just, it blew up. It was excellent. Uh, and he made fun of the East Side Dave show, got on the shiz list, all that fun stuff. So, uh, after that, though, apparently he wanted to go to an event where Billy Mitchell was going to be there. So he went to this arcade in Florida where Billy Mitchell was going to be doing some sort of event. It was a retro arcade night on February 24th. And it was in, it was at a Fort Lauderdale, Florida-based arcade game sales building. <laughs> that, was, that was a lot. Uh, so basically, Apollo Legend decides to fly out there. He dresses up very comically there is a picture here very comically uh like billy mitchell and then went there to you know in his words and and i'm going to kind of hop on the the, on uh, apologens uh twitter here real quick because there was some interesting stuff so he said um come on here what it is uh well uh anyway so uh, basically he was saying that he, his plan was to go there and get recorded footage and trying to get uh video of Billy Mitchell talking about cheating so what what he talked about initially was This was a tweet. I have this feeling that Twin Galaxies is going to Dr. Billy's tape to make it look like it was played on arcade and then claim it's a real tape. That's why they say they have evidence, but are taking days to release it. So that was his initial tweet. And then he quoted that and replied to that on February 26th. He said, I was wrong. This is not their plan. Their plan is to find some way to manipulate a real arcade cabinet to look the same as MAME and then say, that's what happened with Billy's tapes. I'll go into more detail in my next video. And then the interesting thing, though, is he hasn't said anything since. And this is going on almost a month straight. So it it gives a little bit of credence to there being talk of lawyers because he, he has completely quieted down. So either he's working hard on a video and he's just going to come out and launch it. But that's not really his style. So most likely what's happening is some sort of litigation. And maybe he has a lawyer that's telling him to stay quiet. So. But again, so what really kind of bothers me, though, is the people that broke the story were essentially Twin Galaxies, the Twin Galaxies article. And so what that tells me is somebody from the Billy Mitchell camp, his lawyer, the owner of this arcade, they must have, they must have, obviously, they know people at Twin Galaxies, they're they're connected in, in multiple ways over the years, told them about this so they could essentially break the story, uh, which you know i mean again i don't have proof of that that just seems like that makes sense to me uh so then we start talking uh, like like on february 26th uh, someone asked when can we expect the video to which apollo legend replied i'm not sure the video was taken by someone else and is several gigabytes so it's taking a long time to get sent over so obviously dropbox or however they were passing it along So now there was a rumor that, uh, that attorneys got involved with an anonymous source, but the confirmation came directly from Robert Childs, who is the owner of the arcade game sales business where the event was held. Uh, so this is what he said. Um, he said, yes, Apollo did break numerous laws that night and he is currently learning what a good attorney is capable of. So that kind of makes you question, okay, well, what did he do? Like what, what could have possibly happened that went wrong? Uh, really what it seems to be the whole leg that this whole case has to stand on is the fact that Florida is a, uh, two person, um, recordings. St- how do I want to say it? it's like a two person consent state for recording. So you can't like record someone. Like I couldn't go out with someone record them without them knowing, and then use that against them, like in a court of law or anything like that. Uh, However, where that argument starts to fall apart is that that also doesn't apply to you have a, a, a reasonable sense of lack of privacy when you're in a public place. So it's hard to describe, like, was this event a public place? I mean, he could buy a ticket, which he did and he got in. So does he, is that a pub? Is that a, is that a public place where he bought a ticket? Was they able to record other things going on? Like if someone was recording, say a convention or whatever, uh, or was it technically because it's private property? Was he not allowed to record? Were there any rules in place about no video recording, no cameras, no taking pictures? Was there anything like that in place? Those are the little details we don't know yet. Now, what's kind of interesting about all this is I, there are people out there who are making a lot of Billy Mitchell videos. Like every week they want to come out with another one because they know it's like a hot trending thing. That's not me. In, in fact, I have not done a video since the end of February when uh, Billy was on the East Side Dave show. But I do feel like this is another piece of the puzzle, since somehow Apollo Legends seems to be wanting to take it further, which I have to admit, it might be time for him just to let it go. Now, I mean, his videos get a lot of publicity, so it's in his best interest to make more videos about Billy Mitchell like it is for all of us, I suppose. But it might be time to let this one go. I mean, I feel like he proved what he was trying to do. Now, if there if more comes out, like how Twin Galaxies, according to Apollo Legends, everyone's in this huge conspiracy to try to you know, this huge conspiracy to try to make it so that his scores that are no longer number one are still protected. I don't know. I I don't know what Twin Galaxies benefits from that, unless somehow Billy still owns it and he's got pull with them. But, you know, by now you can pull other people in that will get people to come to your events. You don't need to like be part of, you know, Billy Mitchell's universe to to be popular. There's plenty of other speedrunners. There's other world record holders, uh, Chen, the current, uh, Donkey Kong world record holder. I'm sure you could get him to come in and, you know, that'd be and Steve Wiebe. I mean, these these sort of people. So whatever. So again, I don't, I I didn't want to comment on drama. Like I don't do a video every week about this, but this I felt was another step in what's kind of happening. So according to Apollo legend, apparently there's a huge, huge conspiracy where they're trying to actually make a real arcade be manipulated to look like mame that's that's the phase he's at right now so there was some interesting things though about this event because it was funny um i want to see uh apparently people at the event this is what i kind of wanted to talk about a little bit damn it and i missed it um So, but basically there was, uh, people at the event, including Billy Mitchell himself said that Apollogen came out. It was a fun time. We had a great time conversing and it was a good event for everyone. And, and that's, you know, and it was like, oh, okay. Uh, so apparently it was not, you know, Apollogen failed, you know, he didn't come out and there wasn't uh, there wasn't controversy. There wasn't a big issue. It was just, it was what it was. And (laughs) so then it was really interesting though, because Apollo legend replies back uh, on Twitter. He starts talking about, let's see if I can find the actual thread here. Cause I don't want to misquote it. Um, yeah. Okay. So here, here was the, here was the tweet. Billy Mitchell played me so hard video when I get home. And so someone said, well, so what happened? And here's what Apollogen said at the event. They all swamped me with technical information that I wasn't prepared to refute. I went into I went into it impulsively and underprepared. I'll be going over it all as soon as I get on film or get the film of what happened. So basically, I have to give Apologen a little bit of credit here. He's straight up saying that he... Went in unprepared. He went in impulsively. He was probably trying more to do a shtick and just get someone on recording. But when you know he introduced himself and people started talking to him about what actually happened, he couldn't refute what they were saying. He didn't have the technical know-how to fight back against that. Which now, once he gets home, I'm sure he can look that up and talk to people, look at his recordings to what they're saying, and he'll be able to pick that apart. But on the spot, that's a lot more difficult, and it's it's very 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 possible when you go into a conversation that uh, you're not quite prepared to have, and and those are the kind of worst. But he admits. That that he went in underprepared and that's not an easy thing to admit sometimes really so uh, but that's what was an interesting difference there was that according to the people that were there like Billy Mitchell and he, he thought it wasn't he thought it was a positive experience now again that could all be spinning press because he knew he was going to do some sort of lawsuit or maybe I don't know when they found out about the recording like they obviously looked at Apollo legends Twitter most likely when he got home and made these comments and said, wait a minute, he has recording, let's go after him. So he can't talk about this recording. And that's certainly possible. In fact, that's most likely what happened. But again, maybe apologists should let it go. And maybe Billy Mitchell should let it go. I, I don't know. I mean, Billy Mitchell's still going around to arcade events. It's still his life, you know? And, uh, I, I don't know. It doesn't, it doesn't, it doesn't make a difference to me if they keep doing it. But I found that, uh, you know, maybe it's time for Paul Legend to let this one lie. I mean, I think he made a very definitive case, but we'll see. I'm very curious to see if another video comes out or if a just kind of disappears on this until some sort of litigation. Obviously, he's going to have to come out and speak at some point and kind of let everybody know what's going on. Uh, but I'm very curious and I'm very curious to know if this was actually real or if maybe, you know, one of the people at Twin Galaxies who likes Billy Mitchell a lot just put out this essentially this hit piece on Twin Galaxies, which was basically just kind of tearing a apart and, you know, calling him, you know, uh, a fake and a phony and, and that he, uh, that he makes a video out of other people's evidence and all this other stuff. So that's really all there was about that. You know, just a quick, just a quick rundown of the current situation as it is, like I said, it happened last week, but I do this every Tuesday. And unfortunately that story last week, I missed it. It was just a couple days late, but I wanted to touch on that. And hopefully, uh, we hear some more info about it. Cause I'm very curious. Any, t- I cover a lot of things that have to do with lawsuits in the video game industry. I, I find that fascinating in what we're doing here, but it, uh, this, I'm not a fan of someone who, who seemingly as the one in a position of power suing someone who is not. Um, but this isn't the first time that Billy Mitchell has sued somebody. Uh, if you look back, Billy Mitchell sued cartoon network because on a episode of the regular show, there was a floating head character who resembled Billy Mitchell in a way? Uh, so Billy Mitchell sued them over, like, uh, sued them over it, took them to court. Ultimately, lost because the Florida judge said. You can't just say someone looks like you because they have similar hair and a beard and they're a floating head. They didn't have an outfit. They didn't have the the American flag tie that he refuses to take off. I'm convinced he wears in his sleep and all that sort of stuff. But anyway, uh, the plot thickens. I guess we'll see more about it. I would I would like to see what Twin Galaxy is going to do. In fact, i have been kind of waiting to hear if they were going to because they're still uh, and they made this note uh, editor's note on the article as well. Uh, Editors note Twin Galaxies editorial and the education team adjudication team are completely separate entities under the same website. Although the editorial team investigates on their own, the decisions made on disputes lie entirely on the adjudication team and is not influenced by editorial. We seriously have no say either way and just find stories we find interesting and relevant. So that's them saying that they're part of the editorial team. They're not in charge of the people who are looking at the proof and Uh, of Billy's, uh, Donkey Kong runs to see if they're going to remove them from the leaderboards. So they made a note of that, I guess, to keep it separate, but, um, yeah, I don't know. It was, it was, uh, it was kind of weird. Um, but yes, so, uh, so moving on, (laughs) this is another one that's coming back from the dead. So a lot of these, uh, stories this week are like rehab, like, like follow-ups to previous podcast stories. But just last night, Atari dropped more information about the Atari box, which if you remember, I did a few videos on last year, some of my better videos, actually, in the beginning. Now I've had other videos past them, but uh, basically the Atari box, which I called Vaporware, and... It uh, which I don't think I didn't think was ever going to come out. They had announced that an Atari box was coming out. It looks very retro inspired. It was going to come out at 300, 250 to $300. It was going to be, uh, a Linux based, you know, like home PC, basically a computer that can play old games and new. That's what they were selling it as very, very light on details though, which is what we've been waiting for. Then uh, a few months ago, right before Christmas, they had said, hey, pre-orders are coming soon. Here comes the pre-order. You know, Get ready to pre-order this thing for $300 without knowing anything about it. And the community bucked back pretty hard against that. Uh, I did a video on it and a bunch of other people did. And so then they all of a sudden at the last minute, the day it's supposed to go up for pre-order, well, we've scaled back. We're going to hold off on doing the pre-order system until we figure out something like there was something going on where they canceled the pre-order. So we're like, okay, well that's weird. Cause normally, I mean, a fraud normally would still do the <laughs> pre-order and then take a whole bunch of your money and then, then run away with it. So maybe not as fraud as we thought. Right. So then finally yesterday, they just announced the Atari box is now called a new name. It's called the Atari VCS, the Atari, uh, video game, computer, video computer system not the virtual console system uh video computer system and the pre-order date was revealed as soon again not it's soon no details why would you want to provide details you know it's not like people who want to plunk down a bunch of money want details uh so anyway the atari vcs is the official name of the atari box so we can move on to that the logo is the uh, typical atari logo and next to it where it says vcs has like the four colored lines things so hearkening back to the 70s and 80s style uh design uh, of of marketing and stuff like that so they're showing it off right now at the game developer conference in san francisco um so this is what atari has said This is an exclusive GamesBeat story originally described last year takes inspiration from 40 years of video game history. The company is showing off the Atari VCS, classic joystick, and modern controller prototypes to the press this week at uh, GDC, the Game Developers Conference, and is working with game developers, content creators, and other partners to finalize details. In April, Atari will announce a pre-order date for the Atari VCS. So earlier Atari had started a crowdfunding campaign on Indiegogo but had canceled it because development hit a snag. That's what they said. If you're making if you're making a Linux-based computer, I don't think that development can hit a snag. I mean, that just sounds really stupid to me unless something went wrong with the shell. So first let's talk about the what we know. So there's a picture up here um I should probably have put this up so you guys could see it. Maybe I'll I'll bring it up here and, and you can take a look. So the Atari box Now the Atari VCS is a, you know, the system we've already seen, it's kind of like this wood grain front with this really cool kind of vented black, which harkens back to the original model. Aesthetically very pleasing. I'm the first to say it. I think it's really cool looking. And then now they have released the controller, and the joystick so i and again we don't know if it's going to come with both or if you have to buy them separately we don't know but the controller looks very much like an xbox 360 controller it has a floaty d-pad which i'm not a fan of shape-wise it looks a lot like an xbox one controller it's got your typical four face buttons it looks like there's triggers looks like there's a headphone jack on the bottom right in the middle uh and then like a start and select button essentially like a home and a something else button like I said, the D-pad looks very, very floaty, like just kind of looks like a, a disc. <laughs> it looks terrible. Um, you know, split D-pads have always been the way to go. But one one thing I do like, again, aesthetically pleasing is that the upper left joystick is orange, l- reminiscent of the Atari joystick where they had an orange button. I think that's cool. That's a cool touch. That's unique. That stands out like somebody in marketing and design like has a brain and has has an eye for it. So the next to it, they have the redone Atari Classic controller. So this is your one button. Technically, there's three buttons because on the bottom, they've got like a home and a pause button or whatever. It's going to be home and menu button. But you've got your upper left, you have the orange button, and then you've got the one arcade, uh, you know, the the bat, a lot of people call it like an arcade stick bat in the middle. And uh, and again, looks very cool. Uh, it, I, it looks like a newer version of the original joystick like updated and upgraded so that's awesome i don't think there's anything wrong with that but again we don't know is it included what's the price is it wireless is it wired we don't know anything and they just don't want to show anything and again the picture they're showing here which i'll try to get up on the video um this is a this is a pre-rendered picture this isn't actual stuff this is this is a render and I, I don't necessarily feel good about game companies producing renders all the time when you should at this point have a prototype mocked up to be able to show off and, and they have showed off a live prototype at different places so like let's let's do it let's get it done you know um so uh, i looked up i wanted to see kind of uh and this was tech radar's uh, take on it. I don't really like this because this feels very, very one-sided, like, like they were given one or that they were told like, Hey, you know, we'll give you one. If you give us positive, it felt not, it felt opinionated. It didn't feel like fair, you know? Um, but I kind of want to cover, uh, a little bit about what they say. So what is it? This is their cut to the chase. What is it? A new Atari console that plays old games and new ones too. So this is basically what Atari has been telling people. How much will it cost? Estimates are between $250 and $300. We already knew that. When does it come out? Spring 2018 is Atari's target, but they just said that they're going to announce a pre-order in April of 2018. So Does that mean it's going to be pre-orderable and then be ready to come out? Or are they going to have you pre-order it and then it'll go into production? Like, do they have their own money that they're using to produce it? If they do that, I'm okay with if, if they've got these things, like they build 5,000 of them and then they sell, they sell pre-orders for those first 5,000, then they take the money to produce more that I'm okay with. What I'm not okay with is us pre-ordering it, them taking all the pre-order money and then beginning production. That I'm never a fan of because another, you know, snafu or another hiccup can come and then no product for you and your money's gone and there's nothing you can do about it. Um, so let's see here what the, uh, this, this was a few quotes from the people at Atari. Quote, our objective is to create a new product that stays true to our heritage while appealing to both old and new fans of Atari. Inside the box, you'll see an AMD... Customized process with Radeon graphics technology, powerful enough to run games like Minecraft, Minecraft game, games like Minecraft. This, this, this runs Minecraft. I don't what The hell does that games like Minecraft. Okay. I'm sorry. I, this sort of stuff really frustrates me because it's, it's so dumb to brag about that. And and that's clearly a name drop for like the most popular game of all time. Uh, recently, uh, like Minecraft and lightweight indie titles. So they're straight up saying it'll be powerful enough to run Minecraft and lightweight indie titles. So nothing of any substance. Okay. Uh, just as well as other consoles can. It will also be able to run traditional Atari games, though it won't take much horsepower to run them. <laughs> just, yeah, no, 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 duh. I mean, they're they're emulated. So yes, it's going to play old Atari games. Part of the problem though, is that a lot of the good Atari games that aren't owned by Atari, that the licenses are owned by Activision and others. They don't get to have those, but okay. Um, uh, also according to a press release sent out last September, all this hardware will help the console bring a full PC experience to the TV, including the ability to stream shows and movies. So it's a Roku. <laughs> you know what okay oh, let's okay so it can stream your favorite shows and movies uh you can log into social networks oh wow uh you can browse the web and stream music you can browse the web and stream music it, <laughs> I, I don't know um okay so then they got to the part of the article that's about what games will it play uh Atari says that the Atari VCS will run classic games digitally, that is, whether they're built in or downloadable. So there's not going to be a cartridge slot on it. Duh. Oh, they didn't spend the money to put an Atari 2600 cartridge slot on the thing. Oh, man, that's why I wanted it. Um, (laughs) uh, Let's see, uh, which makes a lot of sense. After all, the NES classic was a big hit. Very true. Uh, Selling out every time it hits stores and leaving a lot of fans desperate and wanting what Nintendo opted to stop producing the box. The upcoming SNES Classic, this was the press release from September, so obviously the Super Nintendo Classic came out atari owns the rights to more than 200 different video game properties including pong missile command asteroids and centipede for a better hint at what to expect just check out the atari greatest hits app for ios it offers 100 classic 2600 games that you can buy in small bundles or unlock the entire library for ten dollars so that's just kind of to give you an idea of what atari games will most likely be playable on here will they be free I'll bet they're not. I'll bet you have to download them like a virtual console and and, and pay for them separately, which, you know, you should be paying for ROMs of old games that have been around for 40 years. That makes total sense. Um, So the company has also teased current content for the Atari VCS. Will that mean appearances by other more modern Atari franchises like Roller Coaster Tycoon, Test Drive, and Ghostbusters? It could mean ports of great Atari games that we've seen on mobile platforms and other consoles. Maybe. We don't know. Again, we don't know. Now, one thing that I will argue about with this article that I don't like is when they talk about what games are possibly coming to it. Roller Coaster Tycoon, we know uh, that current Atari has the rights to. Test Drive technically was owned by Infogrames, which then changed their name to Atari, and I assume when Atari got bought the last time, they assumed the rights to that. But Ghostbusters... Um, I don't know. They, they published that, but I don't know if they actually own the rights to it. They certainly don't own the rights to Ghostbusters. So would they have to renew that license to re-release the game? Probably. So again, we probably won't see stuff like that. Um, so now that a lot of people are making it, are, are, are saying, well, maybe it'll be like the Ouya. And now if you don't know what an Ouya is, I have one up in my closet up there. And the Ouya was a basically a a little computer that would hook up to your TV and play stuff off the Android store. Now, when I bought that, it actually was exactly what I wanted to do. I always wanted to play some neat mobile games, but didn't want to play the mobile. So I thought it'd be cool to sit at home and play them on a TV with a controller. Well, later I found out that I don't want that after playing a bunch of just terrible indie games, uh, super mega indie mobile games. It was awful. So I realized that it's not what I wanted, but it was what it said it was. It never tried to pretend to be anything different. The Atari box is trying to say it's going to play. It's a Linux machine. So we can assume it's going to be like the remnants of a steam box. So it's going to play some, maybe you will be able to install steam on it. Like, like, um, what do they call it? TV mode or big box mode or big, big TV, mode, whatever the hell you call it. And so maybe it'll be able to do that. So it'll act as like a steam box. But I can get a Steam Link for five bucks, I think was the last time I got one or five or 10 bucks. So a Steam Link, you know, you don't need a $300 piece of equipment to do that. The Steam Link can can run your PC. But this, you know, this is going to be native hardware. This won't be streaming from another device. This will be native hardware that can run these things. But with what they're saying, I mean, if, if you're talking about what games it can play and you say it can play Minecraft and other it can play. I want to get this quote right. I want to get this quote right. It can play Minecraft and other. Ah, damn it, I lost the quote. <laughs> uh, Minecraft and lightweight indie titles. What the hell does that mean? Lightweight indie titles? So, like games that don't take a lot of processing power. So, they themselves are admitting this thing is going to have crap for power. Um, so. Yeah, so anyway, so then the, the final thing they talk about is when will it come out? And, and so it, it says, first sentence, Atari has been a bit vague around the topic. It looks like the company is targeting spring 2018, depending on how well the console's Indiegogo goes. So uh, this is a quote. We know you are hungry for more details on specs, games, features, pricings, timing, et cetera. Read the company's 2017 email uh, from July. So this is this is from last year. I read this on a different one quote, we're not teasing you intentionally, we want to get this right. And so we've opted to share things step by step as we bring the Atari VCF to life, VCS to life, and to listen closely to the Atari community feedback as we do so. Um, yeah, I don't know this. it, It apparently is still coming, you know, and so I would like to see I would like to see anybody who puts money down in this to get their money back. I'm worried that this is vaporware, that it's never going to come to fruition, that they'll start some sort of crowdfunding pre-order system, get halfway through development, run out of money and say, sorry guys, you know, just the, it didn't work out. You know, we don't offer refunds We're we're not going to do it. And I really feel like that's, what's going to happen. And, and that makes me very sad because I don't want to see that, you know, like I don't want Atari to fail. It doesn't make me happy to, to sit here watching this stuff and then you know, and then like, like laughing, like Atari sucks. It's not about that. You know, I want it to do well, but I want it to be a piece of equipment that's good for consumers. I'm about consumer protection. So if you see a lot of these rant videos and you love the Atari VCS and you're like, you hate me because I'm not impressed by it. I understand, but understand that comes from a good place. It comes from a place of, I want Atari to make a good product for its people, not, make something that's going to rip us off. So that that's the sort of thing that that that's where I'm coming from when I do a rant video like this. So I guess we'll see. The jury is still out on the Atari VCS console and they'll probably do some more info in the next coming day in the next upcoming days with more GDC info leaking out. So I will hope to have something more for you guys then, but I have another busy weekend. So I may not get any more content out after today. I'm going to try to break up this podcast into two videos though, so that you can watch the Atari box separate from the, uh, from the Billy Mitchell, Apollo legend story. So then, um, Yeah, let's see. Uh, Okay, and then one last quote from Atari. Every person at, quote, every person at Atari and every partner involved with the new platform is just as fanatical about the brand and its heritage as our biggest fans are. With the Atari VCS name, we know how important it is to get everything completely right, and that's why we briefly paused an imminent launch late last year. It was a difficult decision with the countdown underway, but we weren't willing to go forward with even one thing out of alignment. We hope Atari's fans appreciate our extreme attention to detail and are as excited about the Atari VCS as we are. So, he, but here again, this is like the confusion I have here is they keep saying that they were going to release at the end of last year. No, they were going to start doing pre-orders the end of last year. So I don't know why they keep confusing them launching a pre-order system to actually launching the console. And they said the same thing again, they're going to announce the pre-order date announced in April, but we don't know when the actual hardware is coming out. Right? So that just just buyer beware, okay? Be be careful guys. If you're gonna kick you know, if you're gonna kick into this, you're gonna fund the Indiegogo, just beware and know that Indiegogo is the most notorious for losing money and not getting any sort of return on your investment. So <laughs> Good luck. <laughs> then uh lastly we have two little stories. Uh the the second to last one here that uh The headline is $25,000 HQ trivia game contestant booted from the game and accused of cheating. So there have been rumors over the last couple weeks about uh, people cheating at HQ trivia or that bots were winning. There were people that like, there was one guy who he won like the big one a few weeks ago. And then he popped up on Twitter. Like he made a Twitter account just to say like, Hey, I'm on Twitter, but his Twitter was old and had no comments or anything. It had no tweets. So people thought that he was like a, like a poser. So people are arguing that they're not actually paying out the money that HQ is faking winners. And then, you know, posing them up on social media, so they can be like, Oh, hey, I'm, I'm a winner. Look, I'm a winner. And uh, so that that was kind of the recent uh, kind of controversy around HQ trivia, which I have to tell you, I downloaded HQ trivia about six months, was it six months ago, maybe it was around Thanksgiving time about six months ago i guess and it was really fun i thought a trivia game that you had a chance to win real money was great and i think the best i ever did jenny and i my wife and i i think we got to like like question eight or something like that, question nine all on our own you know didn't no cheating or anything and, and a few lucky guesses in there but had fun with it it's a trivia game so we we had a really good time um but then all this stuff starts coming out and I've just really killed my buzz for it. And I, I you know, obviously when, when there's money involved, people are going to try to cheat to win that money, I guess. And it's, it's irritating and frustrating and annoying. And so, but this recent story has it that there were, cause what they do is every now and then they do a $25,000 prize with only one winner. So what they do is they get down to like the final questions, however many people are left. They just keep doing questions until only one person remains. It's actually kind of cool. It's like a, to sudden death sort of trivia round. And uh so it after 27 minutes uh, minutes of trivia with $25,000 on the line, two players remained. Then the game abruptly ended as one of them reportedly got kicked from the game for cheating. So uh Ever since it got popular, cheating has plagued the live competition scene in HQ Trivia. In January, the Daily Beast reported that a web developer had made significant progress on a bot that would generate correct answers for the game. HQ Trivia made it clear that it considers using bots cheating, I mean, duh, as opposed to quickly Googling an answer or or asking a friend. February, uh, February saw the rise and fall of several popular HQ cheating bots as they either closed voluntarily or were or were served cease and desist notices from HQ. So this is what I was kind of talking about before. There's just, there's been a lot of controversy over the last month. So then apparently though, that means the cheating hasn't stopped during Sunday night's game. Question 26 eliminated all but two players, Jarek Brual and Kayla 14. Before Jarek could answer the 27th question, he was kicked from the game. Uh, And then Kayla answered incorrectly and the game was over. HQ trivia followed the game up by tweeting the moderator that moderators kicked players that violated HQ's terms of service. Um, uh, Apparently. uh, And then the Daily Beast reported that apparently both Jarek and Kayla are apparently members of a private discord server dedicated to hacking trivia apps. (laughs) Quote, on Sunday night, a bot in a private Discord chat that both Brual and the runner-up Kayla were active members of was spitting out supposed answers live as other members of the group collaborated on answering in real time. Uh, He wrote that other members of this Discord provided screenshots that purported to show both Jarek and Kayla were in the chat during this game of HQ. Quote, I can confirm that Kayla was in this chat before she, along with Jarek, were both screaming in the voice chat about how far they got. And the only reason Kayla actually didn't win was because she was, quote unquote, fat fingered. So she keyed in the wrong answer. <laughs> she had the chance to win and she keyed in the wrong answer. One member of Discord told the Daily Beast, meaning they accidentally tapped the wrong answer. That's what it means when you're fat fingered, if you don't know. <laughs> um, uh, let's see. Um. So in the Lorenz is the reporter who wrote for the daily beast. She writes that bots helped Kayla and Jarek. The key to getting answers right was being in a voice chat between the community members speaking aloud, helped them figure out the correct answers faster than just using a bot on its own. Sounds a lot like my HQ experience actually, where, you know, you, you kind of get together like a group of people and you have a lot of fun. Um, but I feel like I, they built this game to be kind of a fun sit around thing. Like I remember at Thanksgiving, or was that Christmas? I think it was at Christmas. Actually, I I sat us around the kitchen table and I had everybody playing. It was really fun, actually. I, and that ac- apparently is not cheating, which I would agree with. But obviously, Google searching. I mean, I guess they give you so little time that you'd have to be really fast and still figure it out. But obviously, if there's some sort of bot or there's some sort of app you can have that goes over HQ and helps you, a little bit different story. Um, but not much else there except that uh, one of one of the f- coolest things I think to come out last year and it just exploded in popularity was really neat now has become kind of a shell of itself because they can't get the bots and cheating under order. In fact, when I first heard about a trivia game, I thought to myself, how do you worry about cheaters and how do you take them out? And there really isn't a way, I guess. So we get cheaters. Um, That's, and and that's what kind of drove me away from the game. And and I haven't played it since I haven't played it in probably, uh, I don't know, probably three, two months, two months, probably. It's really sad. Uh, And then lastly, we're going to get to the final quick story. The PlayStation 3 fat owners have a month left to claim the other OS class action lawsuit. So if you don't remember, when the PS3 originally came out, the the fat models, so they call the Gen 1 PlayStation 3s. I call them the fat boys because <laughs> um, they're monsters. Uh, apparently, uh, the settlement was reached in October of 2016. So this was many years after it was brought up because that's how long it takes the legal system to work in this country. Original PS3 owners were told to expect up to $55. That's increased to $65 now, though, um, because fewer claims than, exple- than expected were submitted in the 18 months since. So the reason that the lawsuit came up was because when the PS3 originally launched, there was an option that said Other OS. That would allow you to um, partition their hard drive to actually install Linux on their PS3. This was really cool. Um, now, part of the reason they did that was because uh, in Europe, if you can prove that a video game console has PC parts or PC, uh, it acts like a PC, you can save yourself the video game tax and be, and have them imported as like a, a a PC. So you can save a lot of money on like imports and stuff like that. So that's why a lot of companies will try to figure out how to get around that. So that's what I think Sony included this for. Also when the PS3 came out, if you remember, it was very much touted as a supercomputer. And you heard all these stories about all the military uses like 20 PS3s to power their supercomputer. And there was even that, uh, I think it was called project folding home or folding project project home. Something like that, where it was like you, your PS3 was using processing power to like help with this medical research very cool stuff so they included this other os feature well then they realized that linux is going to allow your system to be ripped wide open and allow modders and hackers to take advantage of it and do whatever they want with it so then sony uh in in uh, in, in 2010 sony took out the other OS feature saying uh, saying that it you know was a security issue and they had to remove it well now most people didn't use it. I would say maybe f- at most 5% of PlayStation 3 users used the content, but enough people used it to make a formal complaint. And they actually, uh, they made a lawsuit, which then, uh, uh, which, uh, alleged false advertising, breach of warranty, etc. Sony admits no wrongdoing, which was part of the class action lawsuit, but decided to pay people out for certain things. Um, all eligible models are the 20 gigabyte, 40 gigabyte, 60 gigabyte, and 80 gigabyte PS3, which seems so quaint by today's standards. Uh, the total settlement is $3.75 which is nothing to them, but uh, the five named plaintiffs will get $3,500 each. The attorneys will get $400,000 because. That's the court system in a class action lawsuit. The people actually in the lawsuit don't get anything. Um, and uh, the, the settlement page claims claimants can receive up to $65. Um, the estimate is about 30,000 claims would need to be filed to reach that distribution. Um, so, yeah. So basically, if you have a fat PS3, what you can do is apparently you log in with your serial number, your PSN ID, and your email address connected to it. And you'll be able to claim your prize. Uh, prize? <laughs> that's not a prize. You get to claim your. It's not a prize. I don't know why I said that. You get to claim your. Uh, you get to claim your uh, your class action lawsuit money for being so wronged by them taking out a feature you were never going to use. Uh, as far as opinion on this, I don't know. I'm torn. Most people weren't going to use it, but I also agree when you brag about that and you have a feature that's available and then you do because here, here's what people were miffed about right they they made an update that you had to do to play your games but that update removed the other os feature so you can't like that's what people were complaining if they just said it was an optional update to remove it it wouldn't have been a big deal but since you have to update to play online and to play the newer games you were essentially to take out that feature you were saying if you don't take out that feature you can't play your system anymore and that i believe was a breach of contract and i believe sony was wrong to handle it that way. But You know, it didn't cost them anything really probably cost them less than what they think it would cost them in losses due to hacking and modding and and any sort of breach that you would get. But yeah, I don't know. It's, uh, it just seems silly to me that like people threw this big of a fit. If you're going to do that, I wish they would get more money for it. Like the people who actually felt wronged by it. But like I said, five named plaintiffs get $3,500 each and the attorneys get up to (laughs) $400,000. It's just stupid. But that's, uh, that, that's our legal system there. So the lawyers make all the money and, and we make all the fuss. So, and then, uh, so that is the, that is the, the program for today, everybody. I much appreciate you watching. Uh, so then to finish it up, we're going to talk about one of my all-time favorite Genesis games, and this might surprise a lot of people, but it's a sports game. Uh, NHL 95 is probably my favorite, um, hockey game of all time, right next to Mutant League hockey, but Mutant League Hockey's not you know, as realistic as this one. So NHL 95. Now, probably the reason I like this so much is because I have very fond memories of it. Besides it being a really good game, I just have really, really good memories of it. So for instance, I used to go to my friend Joe's, uh, basement and me, him, my friend, Aaron, the three of us would play. We put in a multi-tap in the Sega Genesis and we play three player hockey. And this was one of the last hockey games where say you were skating. Cause you know, it was like up and down. So you're skating up and say someone's right behind you with the puck, you can hit the brakes and instantly turn around full speed to stopped in the other direction instantly. And so it's really funny because, um, you, you could get in front of somebody if you want to check them, you just get in front of them and then put the brakes on, and just slam them. And, you know, as to where later hockey games would have you, like, if you want to turn around, you had to kind of like do like an arc. And so, you, you know, it kind of it was more realistic, but it kind of killed the fun we'd have. The other side of that was that we would also turn the penalties off. So we would turn the penalties off. And what we would do is, well, first of all, I was defensive player of the year every year because I would have hundreds of steals because I would basically just check them. And then I would steal the puck. So obviously totally against the rules, but it was really, really funny. Uh, And then what we would do is whoever had the puck would, would swing around the back of the net. The other two people would jam into the goalie and not let him back. And then the other person would go around and just shoot it in. And so we would do this every single play of every single game. We would win, you know, 30 to 40 to nothing. It was, it was hilarious. Um, And then uh, it was like one of the first ones that introduced uh, create your own player. So I got to create myself in the hockey game. So we were all on the same team. We were all ourselves. And then, like I was saying earlier, at the end of the game, at the end of the season, you actually had like rewards or uh, excuse me, awards. And I got defensive player of the year for all the steals I got. And like one of us would always get, you know, most goals. So offensive player of the year and league MVP. And so it was really fun to see our names in the game winning these awards for being the best. And obviously we cheated cause we turned penalties off, but it, it was really fun. So it's a happy memory I have, but it's a really fun hockey game. There's actually someone locals names Troy. Uh, he does like a local NHL tournament around here. Like people still play NHL 95 as a tournament, kind of like the Tecmo Super Bowl tournaments that they still do uh, around here in Wisconsin. But, uh, yeah, it was um, it, it was uh, it, it was a great game, so I highly recommend checking it out. Uh, so again, lastly, as always, if you are watching this on YouTube and you're still with me, I appreciate it. If you could like, subscribe, share, all that fun stuff really, really would appreciate it. If you're listening to us on iTunes or on SoundCloud, if you can go to YouTube and, and, and uh, subscribe to us, I'd really, really appreciate that. You can go to droprate.life. That'll take you there. Or if you go to YouTube and just search for the drop rate, you'll, you'll find us brought up there. We've got the yellow and gray logo, the DR logo. Um, and you can always follow me on Twitter, i um, at droprate, Greg, I almost forgot <laughs> twitter handle was because i have two uh, i'm at drop rate greg follow me on there it's a lot of fun i'm always tweeting out uh, snarky comments and such so I, I appreciate you guys very much as always for listening for watching and subscribing liking friending it's always a great time i appreciate everybody have a good one we'll talk to you again next time have a good day Bye bye